You are listening to the Get Yourself Back podcast, episode number 18, How to Stop Trying to Be Good Enough. Welcome to Get Yourself Back, a podcast designed especially for those recovering from narcissists. Here, I teach you how to heal, how to feel lasting peace, lead with love, and create the life you want, no matter what you've been through or who is in your life. Hi, I'm Laura, by the way, and I'm the coach for people dealing with narcissists who have lost themselves trying to survive. It's time to get yourself back. Let's go. Oh, hello, and welcome to another episode. Man, it just feels so good to be back in the swing of things. I really do love podcasting, but yeah, that was quite a year. <laughs> and I'm happy to happy to be be getting back. Anyway, so thank you so much for being here. This week it's episode 18. We're going to be talking about how to stop trying to be good enough. And this episode came about because I'll be honest, I needed it myself recently actually. So my dad came to visit, which he does. We actually do have a really good relationship. And it's the thing about my dad and I is he and I both have worked really hard on our relationship, but it's been working on our relationship individually. So he's been working on himself and I've been working on myself. And the kind of relationship that we have is a result of all of that work. Is it perfect? No, but it's doable and I'm glad and I'm grateful that he's in my life. And I haven't really talked too much about my dad because bless his heart, he's got a cocktail of diagnoses that I won't get into too much today. But for the purposes of this episode, basically you need to know that there are plenty of narcissist tendencies, some anger issues, PTSD war veteran level style stuff, possible autism spectrum being undiagnosed for him, some ADHD and an intense religious observance, which has honestly, it's been both a blessing and a curse over the years. But yeah, that's, that's my dad. And there's a lot more to him, obviously, but those are the things that we're dealing with that are pertinent to this episode. Anyway, so I, again, I do have a good relationship and it's not perfect, but the effort that he puts into our relationship is really tremendous. And even though there's plenty to heal from, there's a lot that I get to enjoy as well. So this time that he came around, I was really triggered because he tends to be really judgmental about things, or at least that's how I perceive his interactions with me. And clearly when I perceive judgment from him, that means that there is an unhealed wound that I need to deal with. Now it doesn't absolve him from his behavior or his responsibility for his behavior. I still, there definitely still needs to be some boundary work there that I am committed to doing. However, for my heal, healing and my growth, I wanted to focus on, okay, what is the trigger and how is this trigger showing me my growth? So I didn't even notice that I was triggered until after a few days had passed. That's kind of how deep in survival mode I was. And I was trying to process the event and it was a real challenge for me. And I had spent so much time and energy during that visit and afterwards believing that I wasn't good enough, that I would never be good enough and believing that 
that was a huge problem that I could never solve. It was really stressful. There was a lot of discouragement. There was a lot of, you know, just heaviness and shame and a lot of thought swirling and a lot of, a lot of things that were going on, was going on during that time. And the, one of the really interesting things I experienced was that just knowing what I do and the, the work that I do and how far along I've come, it was really fascinating that I could see what was happening, but I couldn't stop trying. I couldn't pull myself out of it. I couldn't get myself to a place where I was happy and comfortable with where I was. I was still in that state of fight or flight and intense urge to be good enough. So after a while, after I was able to process it out with a few of my friends and coaches and, and people that I trust, I, which is, yes, I process things with that many people. <laughs> That's how I roll. I like to process things out loud. And when I was able to do that, I was able to get myself comfortable enough to be able to start journaling about it. I took out my pen and my notebook and I went to town. And during this journaling session, I asked, how, how do I stop trying to be good enough? I know, I know what's happening in my brain. I know what my thoughts are. And I also know the intense emotion that I'm in. And even though I don't have to solve for that right this second, I'm really curious, like, how do I stop trying? How can I help myself stop trying or at least have having that urge to try to be good enough? It was really fascinating because I got a download of information. It just started flowing. And that's really the majority of my work. It's the majority of how I get my podcast out and how I work with my clients. I'm very like instinct intuition based. Obviously, I have a lot of research and I have a degree and I have a certification and all that stuff. So there's that too. But when it comes to creating content specifically for my people and their needs, I tend to receive it through just cosmic download. It's kind of amazing. I'll take it. Anyway, and I was able to implement these ideas and I was able to immediately feel better and I was able to immediately release the need to stop trying. It's like a flip. It's like a, a switch that flips. I really felt like I was better and I felt like I was more in the driver's seat of my emotions and my life. And I realized that it really isn't my job to be good enough for anybody. So that was a really good place for me to arrive at. And it was just really miraculous. It was just really great. So I would like to share that with you. I want to tell you what I learned during that journaling session. And let me tell you, this is available to you too. I am not special. I just happened to ask the question and I was willing and able to receive answers because I was writing it down and I was focused and I was present. And this is something that I've practiced for many years. And even though it doesn't happen necessarily every day, it's been a really powerful tool in my life for building the healing that I've been able to experience. And so I want to invite you to try that out for yourself. When you're really struggling, take pen to paper, go to a quiet place, you know, go to a place where you don't have a whole lot of distraction, maybe do some meditation, maybe do some yoga, get yourself into a state. If you're religious, begin with a prayer, ask Heavenly Father to help you, ask for revelation, ask for whatever it is that you want to receive at that time, and you'll receive it. 
especially if you're ready to write it down, if you're ready to commit it to, to paper, at least that's been true for me. So that's my invitation to you. And I think it'd be really fun and feel free to email me with what happens. I think that would be super awesome. Laura at by the way, coaching.com is my email. All right, let's dive in. Okay. So I've got quite a few suggestions in here. It doesn't mean that you need to do all of them. So kind of pick cherry, pick the ones that work for you. So I'm going to throw a lot at you. You ready? Number one, always like yourself. So recently I was at an event in Austin for certified LCS coaches. So that LCS means the life coach school run by Brooke Castillo. She's my mentor coach and she's the one that certified me in life coaching. And so we have a yearly event called Mastermind in Austin, Texas. And there was a speaker during the event that said something that really stuck with me. She said that one of the thoughts and beliefs that she's adopted that helped her reach over a million dollars in revenue in her business was, I'm going to choose to like me anyway. This sentence blew me away. No matter what she did, no matter how bad her mistakes were, she had decided to like herself anyway. What? And that is my invitation to you. So let's say that someone is criticizing you. Let's say that criticism actually has a kernel of truth to it. Whoa. But what if you decided, you know what, that might be true. And I'm going to decide to like myself anyway. Yeah. What if you made a huge mistake? What if you really messed something up? What if you failed to show up or failed at anything or failed at everything, but always you had this thought, yeah, I'm going to like myself anyway. You can just decide this. You get to decide it over and over that you're just going to like yourself no matter what. Now, does this mean that you get carte blanche to be a jerk? No. I mean, technically we all have our free agency and you can be whomever you want, but liking yourself is not about saying, well, nothing's my fault and I can just do whatever I want and hurt anybody I want. I have no consequence. No, it's about saying you are never the one hating yourself into doing better. It means that you're never the one waiting for the failure to happen and the other shoe to drop to unleash all this self-berating talk. If you do this, if you practice this, the pressure on your life and your choices will ease up, if not completely disappear. The urge to beat yourself up, to stop liking yourself, to hate yourself into submission, that's a survival mechanism. You developed that in order to survive the emotional abuse. So even if you do find yourself being like, ugh, how can I do that to myself or being disgusted with yourself or being angry at yourself or mad at or, or hating yourself. Just remember compassion. Always have compassion for yourself in that moment. You are not a horrible, broken person who can't get anything right. You are a human who's been through severe emotional abuse. You have been around a narcissist. You've had to survive a narcissist. And so of course your brain is going to offer you the thing that it developed in order to get you through that moment, to get you through to the next day. This is not an opportunity to beat yourself up for beating yourself up. This is an opportunity to learn a new skill. And as you learn that new skill, applying tons and tons of compassion for yourself, and eventually it will become second nature to you, but it won't be second nature right off the bat. Just be prepared for that. And that's okay. The reality is some people just aren't going to think that you're good enough. That's just true. Not everyone in this world is going to think that, and you can decide to like yourself anyway. And it's not your job 
to prove to anyone that you're good enough. It's not your job to make someone else like you so that you can like yourself. That's your job always to like yourself no matter what. The next thing, number two, when you put things out there, let them go like flowers in the wind. (laughs) So this one seems a little bit weird, but it's just part of the download. That's what came to me. And it really helped me. It was a really good visual for me to help me let go. So I'm going to share it. So a lot of what we do in this world involves putting ourselves out there, especially if you're trying to build something new, like a healthy relationship or a business. You're trying to build, you know, be an entrepreneur or you have a creative endeavor. You're creating something or maybe you're trying to make things work in life. Whatever it is you're trying to do, it's going to be vulnerable even just cooking dinner for your family can be vulnerable because you've created something that, and and you've exposed your creation to something somebody else might criticize. When we do this, it's an, it's an increased vulnerability. And also there's this heavy expectation on the thing that we're putting out there to pay off right away or to make people behave a certain way. And the idea is that with that thing that we've put out into the world, we have this expectation that there will be evidence that comes back. There'll be feedback that comes to us to reassure us that we're doing it right or that it will succeed or that we are good enough. And so this approach just doesn't serve us. It creates anxiety. It creates pressure. And it actually pushes the thing that we want further away from us. Trust me. I have a lot of experience with this. I've been putting myself out there for a long time now, and it can be very scary. It really can. When you put things out there, and that is just part of life, and especially it's part of evolving into the next version of yourself, what if you just let it go like flowers in the wind? You just release the thing that you created without any expectation without any hope that it's going to come back and and tell you everything that you want to hear. Because remember, like in in uh, suggestion number one, you're going to decide to like you anyway. So let's say you put something out there in the world and it's terrible. You cook dinner for your family and it just tastes disgusting. Your job in that moment is to remember, oh yeah, I'm going to like myself anyway. Or m- maybe you put something out there, maybe like a post or... Maybe you ask someone out on a date or something like that and you get rejected or you don't get what you expected. Not a problem. You've already released it like flowers in the wind. You already have decided to like yourself anyway. Allow that release to reach your body. It's a beautiful feeling. Number three, meditate, ground yourself. So feeling good is actually all about trying to feel safe. So when we believe that we aren't good enough, it triggers our fight or flight because we now believe that we are no longer safe. This happens because when we were little, if we were good enough, we were loved, we were safe from punishment, we were safe from criticism, all of those things. If we said the right things, if we did the right things, if we measured up, People would like us. People would love us. And the opposite was true too. If we weren't measuring up, people would withdraw their love. We weren't safe from criticism. We would get punished. We would get criticized. 
And what that taught your brain was that, okay, good enough equals safe, not good enough equals not safe. So every time that is triggered, oh no, I'm not good enough. I'm not measuring up. Your body is going to go back into that state of fight or flight. When you're feeling triggered because you're not feeling good enough and you know it's about feeling safe, the solution is you can decide to feel safe now. Now, is this going to work every single time? No, it's not. But it's a suggestion that you can try in the moment and sometimes it will work. You can create safety in your body on your own right now. So this is how you do it. You try to just pause and be still and breathe. Slow, deep breaths. You can even pause at the top of your breath and then slowly release out. Sometimes I like to pause at the top of my breath and like fully release out. Just let it all go. When your body's in fight or flight, it just needs to be calmed and grounded. So breathing is a great way to do that. Meditation is a great way to do that. There's meditation apps out there. You can do meditation exercises. You can just decide to lie on the floor to ground yourself to the earth, closing your eyes, breathing, putting your hand on your heart, allowing yourself to cry, allowing yourself to move, dance, shake, punch a pillow, really releasing the emotion out of your body, the the intensity out of your body in whatever way feels best for you in that moment. I remember when I was going through postpartum, I may have talked about this before in the podcast, but when I was going through postpartum depression, I had a lot of rage and I hadn't ever had that before. And so it was new and, and, and scary, honestly. And I eventually learned that when I got into a rage state, it was just best to process out all of that extra energy. And I would just do push-ups until I collapsed because I can't do a lot of push-ups. <laughs> I'm just not very strong in my upper body right now. And that's okay. But if I was feeling especially full of rage... I would get out of the situation, I would remove myself, and I would find I would find another room, and I would just do push-ups until I exhausted myself and I was able to process out all that extra energy. So maybe when you're in that fight-or-flight state of rage, that could be one way to do it, but in this particular moment when you're processing it out, you can also use meditation and breathing and yoga, whatever it is that you need to get your body into a safe state again. Once you've given your body a sense of safety and allowed the stress response to process out, now you have some room to deal with thoughts or make new choices. And again, this is optional. You don't have to look at your thoughts or make new choices. You can just be in the calm state and not worry about anything. But if you wanted to, now you have some room to do so. Now your brain can function on that level and you can look at, okay, what was I thinking? What was I feeling? What was I triggered by? What do I want to think? What do I want to feel? How do I want to change this? If you want to. Or you can just move on with your day. That's fine too. (laughs) There's really no shoulds. There is no must. There's no have to when it comes to your brain, your body, and the coaching process and the healing process as well. All right. Next one is number four. Love the people who think that you're not good enough. So this is a really interesting one. So my Christian friends, my LDS friends, this might sound familiar. 
it's so interesting that the Bible and the scriptures use the verbiage of pray for those who despitefully use you. This is the definition of a narcissist. (laughs) You're absolutely being used many times despitefully in order to make them feel better. And you're supposed to pray for them? Yes. This is a beautiful doctrine. Now, I don't like the word supposed to. So you're invited to pray for them. It is a beautiful option. Again, this is for after you get yourself into a safe emotional place. I would not recommend using this doctrine on yourself when you are in high fight or flight arousal. And this is because you won't be able to really connect. I mean, you might be able to maybe with some prayer and who knows. I'm not saying don't ever try, but if you try and you're not fully relaxed and grounded, you might come up with a lot of frustration. So my suggestion is you breathe, you meditate, you calm yourself down, get yourself out of fight or flight. And then you can think about, okay, maybe I can love somebody who's trying to criticize me. Let's talk a little bit more about it. So when you really understand what's happening, it is a lot easier to pray for that person or to love that person because loving that person or praying for them really isn't about them. And I think that's where a lot of people can get a little triggered by this particular doctrine because they see it as, well, they're the ones hurting me and now I have to serve them again and I have to make them feel better when I'm the one that needs the help. And I really want you to look at it in this way. When you choose to love someone, when they have hurt you, it doesn't mean that you submit yourself to more hurt necessarily. Although for my Christian friends, you'll recognize the turn the other cheek thing that is actually submitting yourself for more hurt. (laughs) We'll get into that later. But for this particular piece of the doctrine, I don't think it's required that you put yourself in harm's way intentionally. I think that when you get yourself calm and you take responsibility for the state of your body and you're able to recognize what's really going on by seeing your thoughts, seeing your emotions, understanding where they're coming from, not from a place of, oh, I totally understand why they did that, but, oh, I see that what they're trying to do is feel better and they think that by hurting me, they're going to feel better. That's interesting. Anyway, it's knowing that choosing to love them is about helping you release negative emotions that will not serve you because the resentment, the bitterness, the hurt, the hatred, the, the awful feelings you feel that you think are going to protect you from being hurt actually don't protect you at all. They actually do hurt you. And so we don't want to add to the hurt that's being given to you by hurting yourself further with those negative emotions. Now, again, If that happens, if you are feeling bitter and angry and resentful, it's not a problem. You're not a horrible person. Tons of compassion for yourself. It doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean you're not Christ-like or not Christian or, or whatever. It just means you're in fight or flight. And your only job in that moment is to take a deep breath. When you're feeling those feelings and you have the opportunity to calm your body, this is an option to help release you from the need for them to stop criticizing you in order for you to feel better about yourself. Because when you fill your body with the emotion of love, you don't get hurt. It's a huge shield of protection. 
absolutely love is a huge shield of protection. Again, that doesn't mean you submit yourself to more hurt. Get yourself out of the situation, set some boundaries, do what you got to do, calm yourself down. But add to this, that's this shield of love emotion that will protect you. I think about my dad, kind of what we talked about in the beginning and about why he feels the need to point out my flaws or, you know, the ways that I was triggered. And when I really look at it, I understand. I know my dad. I know who he is. And I love my dad. And we have a really good relationship. And this weird stuff happens sometimes. I know that this is his way of trying to solve problems. It's his way of trying to feel better about himself. I mean, who knows? I'm not really in his brain. It's not really necessarily my job to understand his motivations inside and out. But if you can have a little insight there, you can understand that it has nothing to do with you. So if you're being criticized... Sometimes we focus on the thing that we're being criticized about and we think that that's the problem. If I measured up in this way, people would stop criticizing me. And it's not true. People criticize and they look for ways to criticize because they're trying to feel better. They're not, they don't want you to have a better life so that they can stop criticizing you. They want to criticize that that's a motivation for them. So in a very real sense, especially when you're dealing with a narcissist, you're never actually going to be good enough for them because it doesn't serve them for you to finally meet their expectations. <laughs> they don't want that. They want you to always fail so that they have something to criticize you about so that they can keep you in this fight or flight state. Because when you're in a fight or flight state, you're a lot more easy to control. That's something and that's a whole nother podcast we can talk about. I understand a little bit about his motivation. And as I do that, it helps me to let go of believing that what they're criticizing me about actually counts as evidence of me not being good enough. It really, really helps. And there's, and it's, it really is such a challenge. Again, tons of compassion for yourself because it is a well-worn path in the brain. And, but it is a possible switch to flip and it takes a little bit of practice But choosing to love that person who's criticizing you takes you out of their game and into a higher plane. It doesn't mean tolerating the abuse. It just means that in your own mind, you're not the one battling with needing someone else to believe the certain things about you that you want them to believe in order for you to feel safe. Because the safest emotion truly is love. But you don't need to feel love from them to feel safe. You only need to feel love from you. So for example, something I could think in my own mind is, hey dad, I love you. You're a human, humaning, and I'm a human too. And I human a lot too. And you're doing what you gotta do to feel something. And I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna choose to feel love. And if I need to, I'm gonna tell you I'm not gonna tolerate this. And maybe we need to get off the phone or maybe we need to limit our visits, whatever it takes. But at the end of the day, I'm going to choose love for myself. So just try it, explore it, journal about it, maybe pray about it, especially if you're wanting to comply with the scripture. Really just see what that looks like for you and try it on. See how it goes. That's the beauty about all of these tools. They are 100% optional. And the, the second we start using them as a stick to beat ourselves up or as a stick to measure ourselves with, they cease to serve us 
for the healing that we're searching for. So I highly recommend this. And if you need any help, that's what I do. That's what I'm here for. Number five, good enough is a thought and a choice. So if you've listened to a podcast I previously recorded about this particular topic, this will sound very familiar to you. Good enough actually has no concrete meaning in and of itself. It is ultimately a choice that you get to believe, that you get to make. Now, because you've been associating enoughness with certain kinds of evidence, like looks, approval, success, achievement, others' emotions, others' choices, you're used to good enough looking and feeling a certain way that might be second nature to you. But I promise you, that association is not a true association. It's not true that looks and approval and success and achievement and other people's choices make you good enough. But it can certainly feel that way. And I totally get that. It, but it really is 100% a choice. And you can choose to be good enough today, yesterday, always, regardless of what you look like, achieve, think, feel, do, have, etc. So this is my invitation to you. Take this exercise and make a list of all the things that you are currently using to try to feel good enough. What is happening in your life where you get triggered? So for example, with my dad, he conveniently showed me all the ways in which I believe that if I am good enough, I am doing these things right. For example, parenting. If I'm parenting a certain way, that shows everyone that I'm good enough. And he was able to point that out through his criticism. And let me say, he, he wasn't even strongly overt about it. You know, he's just making little comments here and there trying to help me solve for problems that he saw. And so he was seeing problems in my parenting. And listen, I know that I'm not a perfect parent. I get it. No one's a perfect parent. I'm sure that there are ways in which I can improve. One of the one of the other coaching tools I really like to use is what if they're right? You know, what if we can release the need for them to be wrong about their criticisms? Because what if what if it's true that that I need to work on this particular area in my parenting. And that's not a problem. And it doesn't make me a bad parent. It doesn't mean that I've messed up my kids and I've ruined their life. That's something that's fun that we can talk about. But in this particular instance, he was showing me that I was just really insecure about my parenting. And in other ways, I, I think he, he mentioned, uh, <laughs> ways to help me lose weight, for example. And that's a huge one for me right now. Cause I've gained a lot of weight since my mom, uh, died. And so I'm absolutely not ready to be counting calories and doing all of that nonsense. And he's wanting to help me solve that problem. But in reality, he's just pointing out a part of me that's just really insecure. And that shows me that I think that my weight is evidence that I'm good enough or not. And so that shows me my work. And, and that's a beautiful thing. I want to be able to work on those things. And show myself that I am good enough. And so that's what I have been working on ever since, particularly with the weight thing and the parenting thing. I have decided every single day, you know what? My weight, my body, my parenting are perfect exactly the way they are. I don't have to change them in order to be better. Or excuse me, I don't have to change myself in these ways in order to feel like I'm good enough. I am good enough. How I look is good enough. How I feel is good enough how my kids are being parented is good enough. Do I want to make improvements? Sure, that will happen. But for right now, it's good enough and it's just fine. And that just feels so amazing. There's so much less pressure on me. 
and I absolutely can enjoy my life. (laughs) And sometimes the things that you're being criticized about really, really go deep under the surface and you're not fully aware. And then when someone criticizes you and you suddenly get triggered and you're like, what the heck? I did not know I was so insecure about that. That's something to really be grateful for and enjoy because now you know your work. It's something to work on. So fun. At least that's a fun way to think about it that I like to do. So make a list of all the ways in which you are trying to feel good enough so that you can fully be aware of everything as much as you can. And then next to each item, just write that affirmation and decide right then and there, you are good enough at that thing right now already. The evidence is you. The evidence is in you. It's not something outside of you that's telling you that you're good enough. The evidence is already inside of you and you get to tell yourself that you're good enough in that moment at that thing right then and there without it having to change. I highly recommend this exercise and I highly recommend you looking at it frequently until you can feel it in your body. All right, number six, trying to be good enough is a distraction. Okay, so this one blew my mind. Keeping you in the game of trying to solve for good enough diverts precious resources of energy, time, and problem-solving skills that your brain is using to try to be good enough and it's not using for creating the things that you want in your life. Trying to be good enough is a distraction. It's distracting you from what you actually want. So what if you just decide and commit to spending less time feeling like you'll never be good enough and more time going to work to break the cycle of, of abuse? in your relationships, for example. What if you use that time to create something that will help someone else? I recently did that. I was in that state and I've been, I was doing all of these things. So I wasn't heavily in the state of fight or flight, but I had this idea like, what could I be creating instead of ruminating and trying to solve for being good enough? What could I be creating that would serve my people? So I created a little guide, a PDF. It's called five things your adult daughter wants you to know. And it's written to the mother of an adult daughter that was probably called a narcissist (laughs) that, or the mother of an adult daughter that doesn't understand why her daughter is changing the relationship dynamic. Maybe she feels like she's um, distancing herself. She's changed the relationship emotionally. I don't know why I, I just decided to write this to this woman. And I don't know if that type of person would ever read it. But I think it's really good also for the adult daughter to read because it helps her understand where she's coming from and gives her permission to feel how she's feeling, understand how she's feeling, and maybe even be brave enough to share how she's feeling and to give her mother an an opportunity to understand her. Now, if the mother is a true narcissist, that won't be available. But at the very least, the daughter will have a really clear understanding of towing that line between this is the reality of how I think and feel. This is how I want our relationship to be, but also not trying to control, not trying to force, not trying to blame or change her mother. And so I really loved it. And I spent a lot of my time creating that. And that was really fun. And I released that before Mother's Day. If you're interested in getting the download, I'll put that in the show notes for you. And it's just a, a, a really cool thing that I was able to do during this, this time of processing all of this out. So what can you go create? What can you make that might serve your people, your family, 
yourself? What can you create for yourself that is a better use of your time and energy and problem solving skills in your brain? Again, tons of compassion. If you find yourself spending a lot of time trying to be good enough and it's a lot more than you want to spend This is not the opportunity to beat yourself up for being distracted. This is the opportunity to say, oh, I was being distracted again. I'm going to shift. There's no need to tell yourself, oh, I could have been spending so much time doing this and that. That's not the purpose of this portion of the exercise. The purpose of this is to just show you and to help you be aware oh, I'm diverting resources and energy over here. Is that what I really want? And if the answer is no, your invitation is to begin diverting those resources in a different direction. And if that's really, really hard for you, go back to the previous steps. Look at your fight or flight response. Do you need to take a breath? Do you need to be grounded? Then you can open up and possibly look at maybe this is a distraction or not. Number seven, good enough takes the back seat like a toddler strapped in their car seat. I loved this visual. Sometimes you're going to do all of these things and it's still going to feel super heavy and that's okay. The thoughts will occur to you. The thoughts will be offered to you. Urges to prove yourself will still appear sometimes. This is not a problem. So when that happens, what I really like is to just think of that part of you that's trying to be good enough like a toddler who's been strapped in their car seat and they're just in the back seat and they're loud and they're upset and they're crying and they're trying to get you to pull over so they can get some ice cream right now. But you're going to be the adult. You're going to love them. You're going to allow them to cry. You might set a boundary or two. We'll see. You're going to allow them to be sad and you're going to keep driving. You're going to stay in the driver's seat. You don't have to yell at them or force them to shut up. You just lovingly listen to them. You might even validate some of their feelings or their wants or concerns. Something like, I know, I know, sweetheart, you just want to keep trying and keep trying so that this person finally stops saying all of the things about your flaws. I totally get it, but we're going to stay present. We're going to take a deep breath. Maybe we'll set a boundary with this person, but I think we're going to go ahead and decide that we're already good enough no matter what. And we're going to go ahead and work on something else. I love you. I hear you. We're going to go ahead and work on something else. That is such a beautiful approach because really that part of you really is the child. Um, Inner child work, and this is another topic for another episode. Inner child work is so beautiful. It's definitely one of the tools I use with my clients. Not every client will resonate with this particular tool. That's okay. It's not a problem. But I love, love, love this tool because... Your inner child is still there. That lower brain part of you, that fight or flight response, that part of you that isn't verbal, your subconscious isn't verbal. Your subconscious operates in images and emotions. That is a very childlike part of you and it's very real and it's not going away. So when your prefrontal cortex is just like, what is the problem? It's because that inner child, that lower brain part of you needs love, needs to be calmed down, needs to be nurtured, needs to be validated, needs to be seen. And 
as you do that, it helps them process out that heavy emotion so that you can keep functioning. And if they're not processing out the emotion, they're just going to throw a tantrum. That's okay. You let that inner part of you throw a tantrum, but you stay in the driver's seat. You say, I love you. I hear you. We can totally be mad about this, but I'm going to stop trying to be good enough. I'm going to stop trying to change and contort myself so that someone else believes something about me that I can just decide to believe about myself today. Again, if this is very hard for you, if this is even triggering thinking about this, it's okay. Go back to the previous steps really be with your body, really be with yourself and allow yourself and your, uh, your way of healing to unfold how it unfolds. This is not a required map of things that you have to do. It's a bunch of suggestions that I received in my download when I was trying to move through this. So if none of these work for you, toss them in the garbage. That's fine. And the invitation for you is to figure out what works for you. What's going to serve your inner self and your outer self? What's going to propel you forward in your healing on this process? Maybe use these to get you started, but ultimately find something else that serves you. It's a beautiful thing. So that's what I have for you. Those seven suggestions. And I want to leave you with my confidence, my belief in you, and my promise that as you implement these things, or things like these things that you figure out, you will be able to get a grip and flip that switch so that you no longer need to feel good enough. You no longer need someone else to think or feel or believe something about any aspect of your life in order for you to feel totally, completely satisfied and good enough about it. Enjoy your life. Enjoy yourself exactly where you are in this moment. And there's also room to improve if you want to, just for the fun of it, just for the sake of it, for the empowered feeling you get when you know that you're breaking generational cycles, when you know that you're giving your kids a better chance than you had. That's just, that's why we do everything that we do. But if you're not doing that yet, it's not a problem. We just have some more healing work to do. And I want to invite you to take that work as deep as you want to. That's why I'm here. I'm available. I can coach you one-on-one in your specific situation to help get you out of the fight or flight and to bring you into the next evolved higher version of yourself that doesn't tolerate things like that, that can work through and process through things like this and can actually take advantage of the things that happen to you as learning experiences that only propel you forward. Because that's my belief. I believe that every hard thing you've been through, yes, every single difficult thing you've passed through is there to serve you. Its purpose is to serve you. That's what I believe. I love that belief. And it really helps get me through some of the trying times. Because even applying this work, of course, it's not going to be perfect. That's not the point. We're not here to try to be perfect at doing all the little steps and never, ever getting triggered and always having perfect boundaries and all those things. Those are really great tools and we use them and it improves our lives dramatically, but it doesn't mean it has to be perfect. And so when you get triggered and when things don't go as planned, even though you've been studying it for a while, you can come back to it. You can come back to these suggestions. You can heal, you can learn, and ultimately it will continue to propel you forward into the next version of who you want to be. 
All right, that's what I have for you. I hope you have a fantastic day. Bye. Hey there. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, working one-on-one with me just might be what you're looking for. I invite you to book a consultation. It's a free one-hour conversation focused entirely on your situation that will change your life. Email me directly at laura at bythewaycoaching.com to get started. Can't wait to see you soon.